Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to another podcast of The Practical CMO and your host, Mark Corona. We've got a really interesting topic today we're going to take on and call this podcast, Is It Time to Use Artificial Intelligence or AI in Marketing? Artificial intelligence, like many emerging technologies, is making its way into the market through a number of applications. Emerging technologies, though, are often misunderstood early on and misapplied early in their adoption. And even when the technology itself is ready for commercial application, individual businesses need the maturity and readiness to effectively use these newer technologies. So in this program, we're gonna focus on how AI is being used in marketing applications today. We'll focus on what works, what doesn't, and lay out some specifics around how you can use this technology to improve your B2C and B2B marketing programs. And um, gosh, I've got a, uh, just a great guest and colleague and experts that's joining us today. So Krista Martin is a, a fractional CMO of the company I work with, Chief Outsiders. And Krista, I give the listeners a little bit of a thumbnail on your, your business background. And then I want to explore your interest in AI, how you got focused on this and how you became a real expert in this technology and its application. So welcome to the show. Yeah, tell us a little bit about your background. Okay, thanks, Mark. I really appreciate that. My background actually started out as a scientist and engineer. And for the first 10 years of my career, I worked for a lot of the major companies in that arena, such as 3M and others. And I was actually a data scientist where I ran uh, technology laboratories reverse engineering and taking a look at, at various products and the new generation products that 3M and others were, were developing. And I got involved an awful lot with a lot of the new product launches. And is it particularly with the, the competition, how does the comp- competition compare? What kind of features and benefits should we say about our product versus their product? Those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So tearing apart, putting it together, giving recommendations, then it was all into, uh, even down to the packaging we did. We tear apart the packaging kind of interestingly enough. And so I started jumping into the the product management side and then more into the content marketing and how do you talk about this? And I've had the, the pleasure of working with some real great industry experts that I've learned an awful lot from. And that got me to the point where I was a vice president at UPS, the UPS store, where I was the product, small to medium business expert there launching new products for the stores, 4,300 mm-hmm. stores or plus, yeah. and uh, worked for several other companies and helping them launch new products, launch new divisions, really land and expand their current products, do cross-sell, upsell. And that started me off in uh, marketing and really setting where I work in that small to medium business area mm-hmm. and taking a look at expanding their market share. Yeah, great. Yeah, I mean, there aren't, there aren't too many chief outsiders that come from a scientific and engineering background, but we love to have you. It's a very unique perspective and one which I think as technology starts to permeate the SMB market is um, is very you know relevant and well placed. So, I am I'm a little curious about your passion for AI and how you develop that. You know, there are a lot of technologies out there today. When I look at my background, I started out my career in a um, in a software firm, so you know I, I had good grounding in technology, but I never was interested in technology per se. I was really interested in 
how we could use it or help, help the businesses that we bought our products use it effectively. But what's, how, how did you kind of, um, I mean, AI is certainly a highly visible emerging technology in today's market. How'd you get become, develop your passion and passion for that, Krista? Well, you know, that's, I had to think about the answer to that question a little bit. And I think it starts with my data scientist and analytical chemistry background, where I had, you know, probably $10 million worth of equipment sending data in from various equipments. And I handled every plant shutdown for about five years, figuring out what was going on. So it was all about pattern recognition. Mm-hmm. And as we're bringing in the, the data, you know, it's, it's little pieces to the puzzle. So you have to put the puzzle together. Right. And that's kind of how it started. And I had one particular event that happened with a plant that got shut down. And theoretically, if you look at it, according to chemical principles and physics principles, it should never happen. I ran that test 20 times, literally 20 times to prove to myself that, yeah, that was happening. And then I had to call them back and say, hey, you're, you need to completely redesign those ovens. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. so. So it was that pattern recognition that got me into uh, really taking a look at the new technologies, especially in the marketing arena, because now we're pulling so much data. If you look at the Google Analytics and right. you look at some of the other things, where are those pieces of puzzles that we need to know about today to be able to get us that market share that we need for tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, you know, pattern recognition is probably represents the sort of the, the major value of the first um, AI system I ever had uh, any involvement with. And that was at US Bank where um, we didn't call it AI then, it was just neural network. But the idea was, you know, we we're studying uh, the behavior of uh, banking consumers and trying to figure out what product they were likely going to buy next or what product the, the branch bankers could recommend, right? Sort of mm-hmm. like, okay, you have four products from the bank. How do we get you to take five? What's the right product to talk about? And, uh, and it really, it was a lot of sort of, you know, existing data, but it was really pattern recognition and trying to make sort of informed recommendations, I think. Do you still see that as a primary driver for a lot of AI applications today? Yeah, AI is really most powerful right now in those kind of processes where they have what they call an algorithm. And really what that is, is just you can write it and repeat it over time. And then it can learn from it. There's various kinds of learning patterns and learning algorithms that you can put in there to do what you were just talking about. And so it's really starting in kind of the operations side of most companies right now. And there's a lot of companies that go in and do the the digital disruption and the AI for, for current companies. And now it's starting to now, like you said, go into that recommendation side of marketing. And it's pulling the information for people to use their expertise, which is really using their own brain algorithms Mm -hmm. of what to do with the information with what they're presented. So you take a look at an array of different things that you can do. And in your example, the bank, what should you recommend next? And so that's where it's going into right now is having conversations with folks, really going in and going from, uh, you know, the segmentation where we in marketing traditionally do, you know, personas, maybe we have four or five, taking personas to personalization. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Now, you know, you are the only person I know who is MIT certified in artificial intelligence. So you kind of set a new bar for, for this practical CMO show uh, in terms of an, bringing in an expert. You know, and I know uh, you did a project when you were at MIT that uh, I'd like you to just kind of talk a little bit about that. Maybe it'd be a good example, sort of what you thought a good application was and how it was received by your classmates and an instructor. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, it, it was a lot of work and I learned a ton because you know, the field's are changing so rapidly. So I thought, you know, I, I need to go to the best of the best, MIT, and really sit down with those professors and those folks that um, have their finger on the pulse. So it's AI with business implications, business strategy implications is the course. And so we, you, have to, you have to build something in the, in the course over time. So I built what I call the sales whisperer because one of the biggest disconnects that I experience is that marketing generates all these MQLs and even SQLs or SALs, sales right. acceptance, yeah. and sometimes they go nowhere. And then you see this tension between sales and marketing where nothing's closing. I got you so many leads. Why didn't you close them? The leads weren't good enough, et cetera. So how do you get around that problem? Mm -hmm. One of the things that I looked at doing was taking a look at a database like a HubSpot or a Salesforce or, or any kind of database you might have where people, and then pulling in the Google Analytics, pulling in the information on the individual and really seeing where, what are they doing? What is the track that they are personally taking? And what have they downloaded? What haven't they downloaded? What is our content still in the, the stable to choose from per se? Mm -hmm. Sure. And not only that, but listening to the language that was on the, um, the telephone conversations with the sales rep, and not only listening to the sales rep, but listening to the prospect and taking those keywords of this is what piece you should recommend next. You should close with this piece next. Mm -hmm. You should go ahead and realize they're going to take another three months before you're going to be able to close them. So it whispered to them, the mm -hmm. salesperson say this next, offer this piece of content next, or offer this close scenario verbiage next. Mm -hmm. That's it kind of in a nutshell. It took all the databases, yeah. put it into one, in real time, sifted through during the conversation and either recommended an email, a, uh, a content piece, or mm -hmm. a close strategy. Yeah. So if you, if you haven't commercialized it, I can think of a lot of businesses that would love to have something like that, uh, you know, today, right? So yeah. go for it, right? I'll, I'll, be, in it. I'll be your number one investor. Um, right. But you know, you, what you just articulated, Krista, is a very discreet, practical application, right? Mm -hmm. it's sometimes with new technologies like AI, for example, um, or, you know, IOT or IIOT, you know, Industrial Internet of Things, there's a lot of early hype, right? Um, in fact, Gartner, you know, has created this hype curve for a lot of different technologies that shows sort of how they're talked up, you know, the analysts are all behind it. Everybody thinks that, gee, you know, we, we better get talking about this. Maybe they even think they're behind the curve because there's so much conversation around these technologies. And then they sort of go through a, a much more elaborate 
sort of adoption, some of the perception around those technologies uh, may catch up with the realities in the sense that, you know, people go, well, wait a minute, that's really not ready for commercial adoption. And then the real applications start, right? And then it really kind of comes back and that's where the true adoption curve is. It's not on the early curve where analysts are just talking about the technology and hyping it up. Right? I mean, I can think about so many technologies over the years, you know, I, I, probably the last one I was involved with was, uh, enterprise risk management systems that were supposed to be all the rage, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, nobody really understood what the challenges of an enterprise anything was, right? Trying to sell a whole business, one platform. But how, how do you feel about where AI is on that? I mean, certainly one could feel like, gosh, there's plenty to read about. I think any CEO could feel like perhaps they're already behind the curve on adoption on this. But is, should they feel that way? No, I don't think so right now. There's really two types of AI systems right now that I think are real beneficial right at this second. There's going to be more. Uh, and I think 2022 is when we're going to start to see some of the, the systems come in and have a lot more firepower. But interrupting this is what Google and Facebook and Apple are doing on the privacy side. So there's going to be a lot of uh, data interruptions to these streams of data that we're getting today that we might not have in 2022. Wow. Yeah. So that's going to set everybody behind. So mm -hmm. the two that I, I really recommend that people take a look at in the short term are those systems like the AI chatbots, because people are getting having less and less attention span if they have a question on your website and they can go to a, ch a chat box, 60% of people have already interacted with the chat bot and are satisfied with it. Oh, I so didn't realize it, that, that that satisfaction was that high. Yeah, it's yeah. actually that high now. And people are actually willing to talk to a chat bot over an actual human being right now. Mm -hmm. And so, and they prefer it to the, you know, choose number two, choose number three on the telephone. Oh. They'd right. rather talk to a chat bot right now because they can put in things and they're not repeating it to the, <laughs> to the, the verbal system. Mm -hmm. And so these chat bots are really, really good. And they start your data collection towards that sales whisper kind of thing. What, what questions are people asking? Right. So then it can go in and it can learn and it can get uh, better and better at, at answering these things. So take a look at those chat bots. Even the, the smallest player, small to medium business, can go to some of these early chatbots that are out there right now and pretty easily install these. Mm -hmm. And they're, they already have the ethics built into them. There's not going to be any kind of uh, uh, big problems like when Microsoft launched their chatbot and it went racist within three days. Uh, you won't have those problems. They're, yeah. they're not built those that way. Yeah, yeah. And so you don't have to worry about building your own AI. Take a look at that one to start. Mm -hmm. And then the second okay. one is social listening. And there's a couple ways you can do that. There's some good platforms out there if you're big enough. Now, only use these if you're big enough. If you have enough social media where you're out in there and you're getting good social engagement, then use them. If right. you're not, don't use it. It's it's too much work for you to use right now. You yeah. need to build up that social scenario. But where it does become really powerful is in some of these new um, 
you know, where we had CRMs in the, in the past and marketing automation systems. Now we're starting to see sales automated systems where the sales, the sales team now goes in and can run their own algorithms and email sequences, etc. And some of these are starting to have social listening of themselves, but they're perhaps not AI yet. You yeah. still have to go in and read them and look at them and formulate your own scenarios, but at least they're starting to pop up and starting to give you a little bit of algorithm use. And these are really important to use if you have a, a you know two, three, four salespeople, especially the ones that start to incorporate the disk analysis in them. Mm-hmm. Because when you take a look at that old disk analysis of, uh, you know, are you a decision maker? Are you an influencer? You know, those sorts of personas, what these right. do, and it's pretty cool. And pretty accurate, actually. I ran it on a couple of chief outsiders just to see my oh. opinion of who they are, where they fall in that spectrum, and where they write. And yeah. boom, it. You're right on. Yeah. Yeah, pretty right on. And disc is now in the um, is in the common domain. So mm-hmm. a lot of companies can pull that initial disc analysis and use it. And there's several that are of them that are out there. And what that does is it t- teaches your salespeople how to approach them. So if you have somebody that's a big decision maker kind of person and they want just the facts, ma'am, right. you know, yeah. approach them that way. If they're an influencer, find out what they're doing. And the other thing, the most effective thing that I ever saw was when I saw a CEO of a, com- a company talk to a prospect that she wanted to close. And she started with, I saw that you're on Facebook and you really like making quilts. Oh, oh, really? Oh, and the conversation. And they within three minutes, they were best buddies. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. I had one person contact me on LinkedIn. And this is probably, I don't know, three, four months ago, Krista. But they said, uh, oh, my AI system told me I should talk to you. That's probably not the right way to make an introduction. No, not at all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's that like persona, right? Yeah. We go in and the, the Google algorithms, actually Google's looking at it. They call it customer match. Mm-hmm. And that's just starting up. Yeah. And, but there's, there's some cautions to that one. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the Facebook lookalike system yeah. that they use to, to match those sort of things. Those are going to start to become disrupted at, at the end of this year. Yeah. People really need to take a look at putting first party cookies onto their website. That's another thing that people can do to start off their AI journey because first things first, you have to gather the data. Right, yeah. Chris, I know you feel really strongly that there's a right process for businesses to embrace new technologies, including AI. And you know, from my experience as a CIO, I would totally agree with you, right? I, I don't use the same letters that you use. I used to talk about USA, understand, simplify, and automate, which was pretty memorable for most people, right? But the idea was is that you need to understand the problem you're trying to solve. You need to simplify the processes and then apply an automation solution to that, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I mean, coming from Wisconsin, if you do the automation before you do the simplification, you know, we call that paving the cow path, which means that, you know, that you didn't really simplify anything, you just automated what was already a fairly convoluted process, right? Um, right? But you've got, you use TAP as an acronym for that. Would you mind explaining to the audience a little bit 
about what that means. And then let's talk about how you'd actually apply that. Yeah. Well, one of the things as I was going through the MIT course, what it was very apparent to me is that we're not losing people in this process. Okay. And it is a process and uh-huh. it is transformation. So TAP stands for transformation, algorithm, process, and people. Okay. Okay. So what do I mean by that? First, you have to recognize that you need some sort of transformation. What is it that you need to do better, cheaper, faster? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so the typical marketing and product manager questions they should be asking, right? Right. And, and so if, if it's better, cheaper, faster, you, you first start with your people and say, what are you doing that you do over and over and over again that can be automated to your point? And then can you set it into an algorithm? And all an algorithm is very simply is something that can be repeated. So it's steps that can be repeated. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and then what AI does is it brings the learning into that repeating to change the process as it goes. But it, you sometimes don't even need to start with the AI. You can just say, hey, I need a transformation in this area because we're too slow, or we need it to be more accurate, or we need, we're losing people that have that kind of knowledge. So we need to automate it to your mm-hmm. point. Right. And then, then you create that algorithm and that process. And the reason why I put that you create the algorithm in the process is because the process includes people. Right. And that's really the key, whether you're implementing AI or not, you know, until we get to the total, uh, you know, uh, total scenario where AI is running everything, which hopefully we'll not get there. uh, We still need people to make decisions, to use their gut feel, to go in and have that personal interaction that that people can do. Mm -hmm. And, So that's where I actually found when I was doing some of my AI work and some of my process change work is that, that, and I actually put a poll out on LinkedIn asking folks, would you, would you take a task from an AI uh, coworker? And 50% of people said no, Mm. which kind of surprised me. So, because most of the literature will tell you that 80% of people will say yes. So who's, was my audience a little bit different? Obviously. Yeah. And what I, what I found is as you go up the ladder, there's less and less people willing to trust the AI because they rose through the ranks mm-hmm. using their gut and using their own expertise. So they, they have to actually be, they may be steeped more in belief and bias and in understanding the ways things were versus the way things are evolving. Right. And so there's a whole communication piece that has to go with this on why this is good for the organization and how to use it. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, as you talk about sort of the higher you go in the organization, the more sort of misunderstanding or resistance that, you know, you might expect from it. Right. I I remember working for a a Fortune 200 um, service company and, you know, these kinds of pronouncements sort of live on post someone's engagement, right? That the CEO at the time, who was a wonderful CEO, probably one of the best CEOs I've ever worked with, he pronounced that the business would never have an email marketing email system because that was just all the company secrets would leak out, right? And, um, you know, it's, it's like uh, Tom Watson from IBM predicting the worldwide market for PCs would be 200 units, right? 
<laughs> so you know, some, some of these some of these predictions were better off left undocumented and, and you know buried, right? But when you look at adoption, I mean, I think you and I look at this and say, you know, it's it's about the business need, the business problem, the business benefit value first, right? Mm-hmm. It's really putting, not forgetting about why you're doing this, not getting enamored per, with a technology per se, but getting enamored with the benefit that the technology might provide. Seems like you're pre- you're pretty big on that theme too. That's why you have to take a look at and say, I need a transformation. And it could be a small transformation. It doesn't have to be a company-wide. It could be a very small niche in something that you're doing. Like, for instance, one of the things that I set up within uh, one of my CRMs, I did two things. I uh, used the, the logic of lead scoring across multiple product lines mm-hmm. and then had a decision tree rise of kind of AI rise to the top of where should these folks, uh, which salesperson does it go to, where does it go? And then what sequence do they go into next? So we had this whole entire flows that went flow after flow after flow. And then when, uh, it really helped close the sale. And that was the the thing that we were looking at is Mm -hmm. where's the closed sale from this effort. Then you get into the other side of it, of the time where I set up, uh, you know, I had 20 campaigns running at the same time, looking at all the data coming in and I was getting flack from the senior management about a product that we just, we just launched, had just launched and we weren't getting any sales on it. And they were saying, well, maybe we should just, you know, not sell it. Mm-hmm. But when you dug deeper into the, the data, what the system was doing was saying that it was taking them and recognizing that they actually wanted the core product first. Oh, so there was a, a buying sequence that was not right. recognized early on. Right. Yeah. And it was the third, the, the one of the top three lead generators or lead magnets for our core product. Yeah. And then we were able to show within three to six months, they went back and bought that secondary product. Uh, okay. So there was a step to it that the, the consumer had to, a journey they had to go through in order to be able to buy. Yeah. And so yeah. if we had shut down the product, we would have lost a third of our, <laughs> yeah. third of our leads for the core <laughs> and we wouldn't have gotten those add-on sales six months later. Yeah. It would have prematurely died and cost the company a lot of opportunity. It sounds like. Right. Yeah. Right. And you know, that buying, that the buying sequence is important because I mean, just going back to the U S bank example with consumer banking, um, you know, I think the bank understood that the stickiest product you could have with anybody was their checking account Mm -hmm. and then their savings account. Right. And yeah, you can get a car loan and you can get a mortgage and you can get, you know, other things too. But, um, but it's unlikely someone would come to you to buy a car loan if they didn't already have a banking relationship, right? You just don't have the same kind of relationship connection that you would on some of those other kind of, well, that was their version of a core product in your story, so. Right, right. And, and you're exactly right. What's the anchor product? Do you have an anchor product? Do you have a sequence? That's, that's where AI is going to come in is they're going to be able to learn very quickly the, especially as personalization and they, they see the steps that they're taking and the inquiries that they're making. You know, today we call it intent data, mm-hmm. but a lot of the intent data doesn't have enough information in order to make it highly effective. Yeah. So you, you really need to pull the data from the web and from, the, um, uh, from your own databases 
And with mm-hmm. all the privacy scenarios that are going on, a lot of that intent data is going to go away. At the yeah, end the- I would think so. The GDPR, European privacy uh, regulations are just increasingly going to come into this in the U.S. market. I mean, I, I spent a couple of years managing a business in London and um, even in Europe, the Germans were uh, way ahead of everybody else in terms of some of the personal privacy and protection, right, for lots of reasons that are based in history mostly. But you could see where those regulations over time would cross the Atlantic and start to come in the U.S. market. And I just anticipate that consumer privacy issues will continue to, um, to become front and center. Right, right. And you're seeing that already in California, which yeah, they're right. the laws that are pretty much mirroring the European GDPR laws. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's why I, I recommend everybody go out and get that uh, chatbot, that AI chatbot, because that's yeah. going to be pull some data in for you. Get your first party cookies onto your website so yeah. you can go ahead and start pulling data because yeah. that will set you up to use the new systems as they come on board and be able to really start accelerate your, your sales because you'll have the data that you need. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Great advice as a place to start. Um, and we kind of step back, Kristen, and look at marketing applications versus other applications within any business. You talked about, I think early on, you said it's, it's really started with operations. Mm-hmm. And but do you think, how do you see it, uh, AI playing out in other marketing applications if you take a three or five year view of the, into the future? Well, I think we are going to get to that sales whisperer type of program eventually. The, the progression is going to be the AI chatbots, the um, getting in and doing the social listening, the uh, automation in some of the CRMs on the pers- going from persona to personalization mm-hmm. and really designing that journey for each person. Yeah. Uh, you know, are you an influencer versus the decision maker? You're going to get a different kind of uh, journey that's going to be generated by the AI that's going to come along. Uh, there's going to be a lot of coordination now with eventing. I think mm-hmm. now that we're getting back to eventing, you're going to see some of the AI logic of, um, you know, inviting people, coordinating your SMS types of applications where you send somebody a text, setting appointments. Uh, you take a look at Google's appointment setter. And the fury that that sort of set up in the market space where it was so realistic, people didn't realize it was an AI bot talking to them, mm-hmm. it was actually setting up hair appointments and doing all sorts of things for yeah. people. Yeah. So we're going to see more and more acceptance of that. And then we're going to see an awful lot of queuing of sales teams. Mm-hmm. So marketing is going to morph a little bit into setting up and creating those pieces. And what's going to get faster and faster is the learning of uh, uh, what keywords and what key, uh, key long tail words are working because Google's trying to push people away from keywords. Right. And the other thing that's emerging, which I find fascinating is Google is talking about launching a bot that not only takes a look at your content from keyword status, but from writing style status. Wow. Okay. So what does that mean? We don't know yet. Yeah. How are we supposed to write? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that would be like your example of sort of using the disk profile model, right? Right. Like, oh, you can analyze people. And I guess 
do they need to know if you've analyzed them or not? I mean, that's probably a privacy question, right? Is how much right. do people know that you've even used that in a conversation? I suppose there's a lot of ground we need to uh, describe, kind of cover as we kind of go forward with that. It's been really, I mean, it's been great, Chris. I really appreciate your, um, your bringing your expertise to the program. I, I love the close. If you've got like two or three do's and two or three don'ts, because we really like to offer some very, very practical guidance, right? I don't think you can ever be too practical, particularly when you're talking about the SMB market and, you know, their need to sort of be successful early. They don't have the resources to, you know, to be pioneers and, and fail at what they're doing. So I think any guidance around that would be really helpful as a way to kind of close our conversation today. Well, the do's are, are pretty simple right now. I think do get a chat bot on your website. That's number one. Do put that first party cookie information onto your website to start collecting data. You don't necessarily need to do anything with it right now, but in a year's time, it'll become gold for you because you mm -hmm. will have collected the data that you need to start. Uh, the, the third thing is to take a look at those social listening programs that are using the disk analysis and in particularly give it to your marketing and sales team because mm -hmm. The sales team can talk to that and the marketing team can write to that. Yeah. And so that starts getting a lot of uh, information to your marketing and sales team. Yeah. Don't jump into a big project. Don't. Right. Yeah. If you don't have somebody to dedicate to a project of doing a further deep dive into some of these things that are coming up now, the persona developments are underway. Um, if you take a look at some of these uh, others where they're starting to coordinate the emails with the texting and stuff like that, they take mm -hmm. a dedicated person. Mm -hmm. If you're too small to dedicate that, don't start it. Right. it. It just becomes frustrating and you can't get the excellence out of it that you need. So start with those three. And yeah. I think everybody will be in really good shape for 2022. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, I like the fact that you started with... Um, with pilots or applications that have customer benefit, right? So a lot of times uh, companies make investments that benefit them, but don't necessarily benefit their customers. And I, and uh, you know, the satisfaction rate you quoted with the uh, AI chatbot would, bot would lead one to believe that there's tremendous customer reception to that, right? Which is a good thing, right? I mean, if it helps you, helps your customers, that always is a better kind of investment. The way to parallel that is with the, and I actually worked, I'm probably dating myself, worked on some of the early ones here of the self-serve checkout. Mm -hmm. People hated it at first. Oh, now yeah. they, they prefer it. So, and that, that's very well documented. The same thing with the chatbots. People didn't like them to begin with. Now they're starting to really like them. Right. Yeah. So now's the time to adopt it. Yeah. Well, people didn't like ATMs when they were first introduced either, right? I mean, that seems like eons ago, but I mean, the whole introduction of, a, of a ATMs is sort of an interesting case study just because it was a relatively new and radical technology for its time. But, you know, they had to have bankers stand next to the machine and, you know, just like people doing self-service grocery stores, right? There's always somebody there that can assist you when you get stuck, right? Right. Pe people didn't have the skills or that they hadn't done it enough to feel really totally comfortable with it. So, hey, Krista, how would people follow up with you if they've got some questions or like to contact you about uh, tapping some of your knowledge? Is it best to um, reach you on Chief Outsiders or your LinkedIn site or what would you prefer? 
Yeah, both of those are just fine. If you want to contact me at cmartin at chiefoutsiders.com, or if you, uh, and I do have a page on Chief Outsiders too, as does Mark. And then uh, LinkedIn, it's Krista Martin. Mm-hmm. So you just go ahead and search for me and uh, shoot me uh, a connect. Uh, be happy to connect with you and uh, have a chat with you. Yeah, and we'll publish those in the um, the show intro so people can find those links, right? Mm-hmm. So, hey, Krista, thank you. This has been really fun and kind of a fascinating discussion. I really appreciate your bringing your expertise, but your practical guidance, I, I think, is what all seem to um, need and, and really appreciate, particularly when new technologies are emerging. So thanks for being part of the show. And uh, for our listeners, kind of like, hey, you know, hope you they find something of value today that you can apply. And um, please look forward to the, the next podcast. I think the next one we might actually be talking about legal and marketing. So maybe we'll delve into some of the privacy issues, but uh, uh, that's probably what's coming up next. So thanks again, Krista, and uh, all the best to everybody. Bye-bye.